Hello, and thank you for joining us on Building Greatness the Warrior Way, a Westcliff University Athletics podcast. As always, I'm joined by our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And I'm Sherm Dog, David Shermet, the head baseball coach at Westcliff University. Well, for all of our listeners out there, we have another very special guest. We have been fortunate to have a series of incredibly distinguished guests on, and today is no different. We have a gentleman who has spent his entire life in sports and uh, basketball in particular, uh, a, a very long list of coaching um, stops, and currently a scout for the NBA. We have Lamar Barrett on with us today. Lamar, thank you for joining us. Great to have you on. Thank you for having me, man. I, I, uh, I was, I've been wanting to get on this show, and I heard it from uh, Sean, so it's perfect timing to get on, and uh, thank you guys for having me. Well, we're always excited to have people of your stature on. It really increases the awareness for the show, of course, and lends us a great deal of credibility. So it's, it's wonderful to have uh, such established um, personalities such as yourself. So thank you once again. We have a lot to talk to you about because, uh, first of all, you have a long history uh, in sports and in basketball. Some of your stops, some of your coaching stops have been outstanding. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your earlier years before we get into uh, your coaching background? Tell us, uh, you know, as an example, where you were raised and some of your, your sports accolades and, and what was going on while, when, you were, uh, when you were a youth. Yeah, so, you know, basketball, sports in general has always been a big part of my life. Probably, you know, starting young, um, you know, basketball at the age of six years old, I can remember. Uh, you know, being in the backyard or being out on the playground, you know, starting to learn the game. But then I also was, you know, football and baseball. So I never decided, you know, as growing up, you you involved with a lot of sports. So I was quarterback playing football. I was the shortstop playing ba- uh, baseball and also point guard playing basketball. So I had to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I, you know, and I tried all three up to, you know, Junior varsity in the eighth grade. I played on the junior varsity as an eighth grader, and, and and actually two of the three sports. And then uh, that summer of going into my freshman year is when I think it clicked. Um, I knew I wanted to play basketball. That was a sport for me. I gave up on um, uh, on football. Decided not to do football anymore. Uh, decided not to do baseball. Um, yeah, um, actually, that summer because I had a summer league game, I had a choice. So uh, baseball summer league or basketball summer league, and I chose basketball, and I think that's when the decision it clicked. Um, you know, but it, it's interesting because as a youth, um, you know, you always told you can't do something. Um, I was told when I was uh, younger in the rec league playing, um, oh, you wouldn't, you, you're not going to make the high school team because you got a bad attitude. Well, I adjusted that. Then it became. Um, I got to high school. I started playing as a freshman and it, it became, um, well, you're not going to, you know, go to college because, you know, or you, you're not going to go to college. And it was, oh, all you think about is basketball. So I used that as another motivation. I actually was a teacher who told me that, that I, I would um, probably end up being a garbage man because all I think about is basketball. So I worked extremely hard on my basketball game, but I also worked extremely hard on my academics. Um, 
Hampton. I was born in the Hampton Roads area um, in, in Virginia, uh, in, in a place called Franklin, Virginia. And, uh, you know, kind of a small town guy. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I grew up, uh, spent a lot of times in the summer in Washington, D.C., uh, just because my mom had lived there as, a, as, as I was a young kid uh, growing up. And uh, so I always was loved Washington, D.C., and I came up here for the summers and I played in the different summer leagues and things of that nature. But at the same time, um, you know, growing up, basketball has always been a passion. Uh, I had a chance to, you know, play four years, get a chance to go to college. And that's why education became important to me. It was always stressed in my family. Um, and I had a chance to actually – Started off, and we'll talk probably talk about that later. I started off in Longwood College my first couple of years. Uh, didn't work out for me from a basketball standpoint. Um, probably in, in, in my academics suffered a little bit as well, uh, but I had a chance to renew to transfer to Elizabeth City State University and uh, at an HBCU and um, and um, CIAA. Um, had a chance to go there and, and I, uh, immediately um, became an impact. And, and, uh, you know, went there for three years. And once I was done, I, oh, you know, everybody wants to be a professional basketball player. And then, you know, reality kind of sets in. But I, I, I knew, you know, I wanted to still do something in basketball. But at the same time, I knew I had to make money. Um, and I actually, I was actually offered an assistant coaching job my senior year from, my, from, from the head coach. And I was like, you know, I asked a mentor of mine who actually just recently passed. What did he think? And he told me probably not the best time to take this job. Um, and, and and I didn't think I would be a coach. Everyone else around me told me I was going to be a coach. And I tried to put it off as long as I could. And I came to D.C., the D.C., Maryland area after graduation, worked in the government. And, and after three years, I was it came back to me about coaching again. I decided and I tried to get in with my alma mater. Uh, the coach there told me, I, you know, um, I'd been removed from the game for three years. I wasn't playing professionally or coaching, so he decided to go in another direction. And that's when I decided to get into coaching high school basketball. And for six years, I coached high school basketball at Oxford Hill High School in Oxford Hill, Maryland, and had a tremendous run. So that's where it started as far as a coaching standpoint. Six-year run, two state championships at the highest level, 4A basketball in the state of Maryland. Two runner-ups in the in the state tournament, um, uh, you know, tremendous record over six years. Eighteen guys went on to play Division One basketball. Host of others went on to play, you know, Division Two. So, you know, from a public school, couple of rankings in the country, ranked twelfth and fifteenth in the country. So, that's where it was, man. Basketball has always been my passion. So that's kind of me in a nutshell, from mm. a kid to. Uh, to, to high school basketball coach. Right. Let me ask you a question. When did you have your growth spurt? You're you're a tall person, right? You're about six. I, six. I would say palm average. I'm right at six foot, five eleven, six. Oh, foot. oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I oh okay. I thought no, for oh, some reason oh, I got I got some <laughs> different information. That okay, so my question uh, that was my question. What position were you did you play when you played? Point guard. Oh point guard. Okay. Yeah, I was in a point guard. So, so it, it right. was interesting like you, you know, everyone else, my high school coach told me, oh, you're going to be a, you, you, you're a leader. Everybody always told me a leader. I didn't see it that way. I just right. think I did it. You know, I just did it. Um, I, I was a competitor. I wanted to win. Um, I was a guy that was, you know, in the gym first, always last, but I was always instructing guys, whether we're playing pickup or 
or if it's a game. And I, you know, I didn't see that, but everyone else around me saw it. Yeah. So natural leader on the court and you became one off the court. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your uh, progression through the coaching ranks, because in, uh, I'm just going through the list of schools. You've been at some very prominent schools, Hofstra being one of them in particular. Uh, but uh, you were also at uh, Old Dominion for three seasons and uh, also American University um, and Brown University and uh, University of New Haven and Central Connecticut State. Some wonderful programs in a great part of the country for basketball. Um, you've had quite a progression. Did you have a favorite stop along the way? You know what? I, I will say my favorite stop, and, I, and, and, and it's, I got a chance to go home. And, and I'm going to say I actually got a chance to go home twice. I always call D.C. my home. Um, but I, I, I was at Brown University for two years, Ivy League. And, that, and that's kind of like within itself special because being at an HBCU and having a chance to coach at an Ivy League that was unbelievable within itself. And, you know, some of the, you see the inner workings of uh, the uh, HB, uh, uh, Ivy League school and what it, what it can offer kids once they're done playing. But I had a chance to go to American University, work for a guy, Jeff Jones, who's now the head coach at Old Dominion. And But going to Old Dominion, uh, going to the home school for me, I grew up not even, you know, 25, well, I'm going to say 45 minutes away from there. That was the school for me growing up. You had the University of Virginia, which was, you know, that's that's the state school. You had Virginia Tech. But to me, Old Dominion basketball was huge because it was something that I could actually, you know, I could actually touch. I, you know, went to the basketball camps there, um, team camps there during the summer. So, you know, Old Dominion was a, a place that was 25,000 people. Um, it was a, you know, it's the only show in town from, it's no pro, pro sports teams there. So they have one of the best campuses, uh, you know, on-campus facilities, uh, almost 10,000 seat arena. It's like a, uh, um, NBA arena, the, 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 the mini, the bowl, the first bowl in an NBA arena. And, the fans are unbelievable there. Like almost every game for the three years that I was there um, was, you know, almost the seller, you know, because you are the show in town. You know, and, and uh, you know, the fans love, you know, they love their sports. Uh, they get behind Old Dominion basketball. So it was, it was a, a, being at home, having a chance to be around family uh, for the first time, you know, and, probably since 1988, 89 was tremendous. I think that was the biggest stop for me, having a chance to be at home, having a chance to see family be able to come to games. Um, so it was always – I had to always come up with a minimum of, you know, 20 to 25 tickets per game. <laughs> that's great. That's really neat. Uh, that That's wonderful support. And for those that don't know, Old Dominion University is in Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, they do have an incredibly long – history of basketball and before even we talk about the men's program old dominion women used to rule basketball they they were the, when you say the only game in town they were number one for a very long time yeah i mean you're talking about you know and donovan yes uh, you know who, who played there uh, i mean i mean uh 
Tina Pinachero, who's in the WNBA, mm-hmm. Nancy Lieber McCline. Yeah. Um, that I mean the, the women program, right? I mean, and for a stretch, they won 17 straight league titles. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's yeah. kind of hurdle. Won a national championship at Old Dominion. Like, I, and I remember growing up watching those women. Like, that's how big Old Dominion women basketball is. Like, um, Medina Dixon, who played there. I, I can remember all those teams um, playing, and it was unbelievable just watching the women as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They, they, I don't want to say they put ODU on the map, but, you know, that, that was where the press happened to be at the time because they were so dominant. As you say, they, they couldn't lose. They, you know, they had undefeated seasons. They won conference championships. They won national championships. And so I remember being enamored watching the women's program at Old Dominion. Some of the other programs started to catch up, but they were the, they were it in women's college basketball for a long time. You're right. I mean, Phil Hockey started becoming big. And, you know, exactly. Yep. yep. So, yeah, you're hundred percent right. Um, it, 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 it was, it was, it was big time. That was that must have been a great time to be at ODU um, when the men's programs really started to take flight and the women's programs were already pretty well established. The crowds there, as you say, there's no pro team. So if people want to go watch sporting events, they would go to ODU to watch sporting events. So the atmosphere there must have been great. It was it was it that was it as great as I think it is? Oh, it definitely was as great, um, you know, like, you know, come in and I mean, they even have a little song that they sing at after the eight minute uh in the second half under the eight minute timeout a little birthday cake and they're still playing this song and they sing it in the crowd and everybody's dancing it, it was just unbelievable and like you know one of the biggest games we actually played in that building when i was there it was um it's interesting now the uh we we had we had a tremendous year uh my second year there we were ranked top 25 in the country. We had gotten it. We had taken over a program that had won five games uh, the, the, uh, in, in, um, in 2012-13. So we came in at 13-14. We went from five wins to 18 wins. Mm-hmm. Had a chance to, you know, we played the postseason play. I think we lost to um, Fresno State um, in the, um, yeah, I want to say the CIB, CBI or CIT that year in the semifinals. Um, when they had Tyler Johnson, who's now with the Brooklyn Nets, I believe. Paul Watson was with Toronto. So they had a really good team. And and, and, and then sort of following year, springboard. And we went to uh, – we were, like I said, 25th in the country. We had beaten LSU. With, we had beaten VCU at the time, who was 14th in the country, which was a rivalry. Uh, and so we had, we had some big wins. And we ended up losing in our conference tournament. And it was a one-bid league. And we lost mm. – uh, after being like one of the top 38 programs, we didn't get an automatic bid. And we ended up hosting, we got it, we were the number one overall seed in the NIT. Well, our quarterfinal game was against uh, a team that we had actually uh, played the year before. Uh, we played um, Campaign, um, who's now with the Phoenix Suns. Um, and, 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 you know, we, we ended up uh, hit a big-time buzzer beater to send us to the NIT Final Four at Madison Square Garden. Uh, kid kid um, hits a three-pointer at the buzzer with Murray State uh, to go to the NIT. And it was like one of the loudest buildings I've ever been in. And I've played in some – I've coached in some big-time places, you know, at Kansas, at Fog Island. And so West Virginia, which is another big-time atmosphere. I've coached in some places. But – 
man, it, it was it was nothing like that that day in that building. That's exciting. Exciting. Hey, let me ask you, you've worn a lot of hats throughout your career. Um, one of them being a scout, you know, you, you go out and scout as you're doing now for the NBA, but you did for for uh, college as well. You've been a recruiting guy, uh, obviously coaching. What do you prefer the most? Is it the coaching? Is it the teaching? Or, or do you enjoy evaluating talent or the travel and, and the recruiting part of it? Or what is your favorite part? You know what? And, and people always ask me this, and it, you, it's going to be interesting. Because I, you know, you get into coaching, and someone always asks me this question, why, why, did, why, why do you coach, right? And it's like, I want to develop, you know, young boys into men. And so people ask me now with the scouting thing, you know, I decided two years ago to get into to, to scouting um, instead of coaching in college athletics. It's changed so much. They always ask me, what do I do? I miss it. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not. I don't miss it. When I was in college basketball, it was, man, you always living the dream, you know. And 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 when I now I say, yo, I'm living life because I have a chance to I actually can spend time with my family. There's things I can do now that. Um, that I, I couldn't do before being in college coaching. You got to people don't understand how much you have to sacrifice. So, to to answer your your question, the, I, the, when they always ask me, "What do I, you know, would I want to go back? Do what do I miss? I always I miss the kids, and the kids keep you young in college basketball because, um, you know, the, the time when you you walk off the floor from practice. You go in the locker room and you talk to them and they feel confident enough that they can share anything with you. They don't, you know, once they, once they trust you, um, you know, that the relationship with those kids are not just for the four years they're there. It's for, you know, the, 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 the time afterwards. So, you know, when, so that's the part you miss. That's the part I'm, you know, like, I think that's the most important, like building relationships with your, um, with your players. And so that, that relationship lasts forever. And I think that's something that I treasure for, you know, being in college coaching for you know, 16 years and, and also uh, being a high school coach that I still have relationships with those guys. I mean, recruiting is one thing. Yeah. You're out on the road. Um, you, you, you're, you're out on the road, uh, a lot, um, you know, a, a ton, um, you, you know, the scouting, staying up late, uh, doing the scouting reports, watching seven or eight games, trying to formulate a game plan with your coach. Yeah, that, that's, that's cool. But those relationships, man, with that, the kids, that is the biggest thing. And just seeing them, you know, you, you made a promise to their parents that when they came in at 17 or 18 years old, you know, the one thing I used to say to them is, you know, you, you've done your job. You've done a great job of rearing your kids for 17 to 18 years. Now you're trusting them, trusting me to do my job of taking them from a young boy or from a young man to a man, because these are the four to five most important years of their lives. This is when they, you know, now they got to deal with adversity. You know, they're away from their parents. You know, how do I handle certain things? Um, you know, Parents are not there to tell them when to get up and things of that nature. So my job is not to hold their hand. I they just need to know I'm not I'm not a crutch. But if they need me there, I'm there to you know to catch them. But my job is to to, to develop them into a man by the time they leave there. And 
And I think those are the biggest things that I, I take away from being in coaching, um, more so than just being on the floor or scouting or recruiting. That's what I would say the number one thing is the relationships. Sure. As a coach myself, I can seriously relate to what you're saying. Uh, and that's been instilled in us, too, by our dean of athletics, Sean Harris. It's not, you, you know, you try to be the total package. You can't be, obviously, their parents. You're kind of a de facto mentor, so to speak. But, you know, you want to see them succeed. Uh, that's, that's, for me, I want everybody to get their degree and, and move on to whatever the next phase of life is. If they can play professionally, great. If they become uh, something else, they have a different career, that's great, as long as they're successful at it. That's the that's the pride I take away from it. So I can I can understand what you're saying. Um, and, you know, you seem to be a, a pretty busy guy. Uh, as an example, I know you've got a lot going on and we're going to talk about that. Uh, you you've been the director of the uh, Hoop Group Elite, a teacher at Oxon Hill High School, uh, the co-founder and head coach of Prince George's County Select AAU program, worked as a counselor at the Eastern Invitational Basketball Camp in New Jersey and the Five Star Basketball Camp in Pennsylvania. You seem to be a guy that needs to stay busy. I, you know what? That's interesting you say that. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's why probably now, uh, especially the last two years, I was like, man, I get the rest now. And, and I've never done that before because I was always involved in something and I wanted to, and a lot of it was basketball related. Um, and, and I'm listening to some of the things you're saying now, like, so I, like I said, I coached at a public school and, 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 and so in Princeton, you, you hear it now. So, you know, Kevin Durant and them made the, the documentary about in the water, uh, yeah. you know, the SP, Prince George's County, Maryland. Um, and so at that time, a lot of kids from the public school, weren't being, you know, it wasn't a ton of exposure for them. Private schools, yes, but not a ton from the public schools. So, and then our kids were playing AAU basketball, but they would only take, you know, the top one or two guys, um, and they wouldn't take some guys who were Division One basketball players. So uh, a group of us coaches in Prince George's County got together and said, let's create our own team. We can take, use our guys. Let's get them as much exposure as possible. We could put ourselves in these AAU tournaments. So we created, um, you know, the Prince George's County basically select team. And we had some, I mean, the first year we did it, um, one of the former players I had, two was on that, two was on that team. It may have been three. Uh, Mike Sweetney, who was played at Georgetown for three years, was a number nine draft pick in the 2003 class. And so he was a lottery pick and kid Richard Little played for me and, uh, actually, Delonte West. I mean, I'm sorry, Delonte. Yeah, Delonte West was one of our kids who played. Uh, he was he was in my league. So Delonte West, uh, who played at St. Joe's, who now, then went to the NBA, uh, played in the NBA for you know almost uh, nine ten years. He was a guy in the program. Uh, we had numbers numbers of others who went on to Maryland and Boston College, you know, for example. And 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 and, and so we were kind of like proud of that because we took our kids who weren't getting a lot of exposure, who now got exposure and had a chance to go on, uh, go to college, get a free education and continue to play, uh, you know, professionally afterwards. And, you know, then hoop group, uh, what, what really changed my career when you talked about it was uh, I coached at Central Connecticut for a couple of years. And then I went to New Haven for one year, probably nine months. And the guy, Rob Kennedy uh, ran hoop group, uh, 
Hoop Group Elite Camp, which it is now, it's the number one exposure camp. You guys are on the West Coast, so you know about the Pump Brothers. They used to run the same thing uh, on the West Coast. And so Rob and, and, and Rob Kennedy and uh, the, um, the Pump Brothers were, they, they you know, they kind of talked to each other regularly. So I, I got a chance to know um, the Pump Brothers a lot, just being at the Hoop Group. But we were the number one exposure camp in the country. Um, my job, um, he co- convinced me to come and work for him. It would change a lot of uh, – would open up recruiting from a national standpoint for me. So my job was to get 3,000 kids or close to 3,200 kids to camp during the summer, and then I would also have to get 1,000 uh, each in the fall and the spring to come to the clinics. And so while I was doing that, I still had to bring in talent. So, you know, guys like Kyrie Irving, the Morris Twins, Deion Waiters, uh, you guys you see in the pros now, uh, some of these college guys, like a lot of the college guys, that was my job to go out and try to convince those kids to come to camp uh, for, you know, for four or five days. And, uh, you know, and, and we kind of I, I, I did that, built it up. I was there for three summers, two years. And then when it was time for me to go, um, it was like, OK, I wanted to take the right job that was going to help me. Uh, and that's why I ended up at Brown University, Brown was more of a national recruiting. Being in the Ivy League, I could recruit nationally. So I had so many connections from California to Texas to the Midwest and Chicago. Um, it, it was awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I stayed busy, but, um, you know, but I built my connections up. Like, I had relationships before, but once I got with the Hoop Group, it opened up recruiting from a national and international standpoint. So when I got back in college athletics, I could recruit almost anywhere, and it did not matter where I was, where I was coaching college basketball. Mm-hmm. It seems, you know, with basketball or I think baseball or any sport, it seems as though it's just as much who you know as opposed to what you know. Uh, you, you can be the most knowledgeable person in the world, but, man, your connections will get you a lot further. No, you're 100% right. Like, it's interesting you say that because um, when – the American University job came open. Um, the, the the guy, you know, Jeff Jones. Um, he had, I reached out and asked me, did I, you know, want to, you know, come back, you know, come back home, you know, like you know, and they, you know, everybody. For some reason, everyone thinks I'm from the Washington D.C. area, even though I spent a majority of my life here. Um, and I was like, sure, and it kind of worked out. But one of the things he said to one of his assistants at the time was, "Man." Lamar sure knows a lot of people. Mm. Um, so he was like, you know, I see him and everybody always talking to him and they coming up to him. And he's like, yeah, that's part of his job. When he was with the hoop group, he needed to know high school coaches, AAU coaches, college coaches, NBA guys, because he was always dealing with every, all types of um, individuals. Um, so, I mean, my Rolodex probably went from my one well, Rolodex. I mean, even with my phone, we started storing phones, you know, information to the phone. Like my, I went from probably 300 contacts to well over 2,000 contacts in a short amount of time. Like there was no one in the country that I couldn't pick up the phone, call. And then even my wife used to say, Are you always on that phone? Because <laughs> I would get calls at any time of the night. Mm-hmm. Anytime in the morning, like I wake up in the morning, I'm on the phone. I'm coming at like it got to the point that she's like, 
all right, when you come in this house, you got to put this phone down at least for a little bit. And I and I had a policy of I would, you know, not be on the phone to, you know, eat dinner. And then I would like wait till she fall asleep and then I'll get back on the phone. But I, I mean, my contacts went, like I said, from 300 to well over 2000 mm-hmm. short. Well, you know, if you're going to be effective at your job, you need to have that kind of circle of influence. You need to know that many people. Um, you know, let me let me ask you very quickly. We you've mentioned a few really big names in basketball and, and players in particular. You mentioned Kyrie and Delonte West, and and there's so many more. You know, I, I know you know that. Um, as a scout, let's just look, put our scout hat on for a second or a recruiting hat. Um, you know, the biggest names are the ones that obviously get all the press and the marketing, and you know who they are and you know how good they are. How do you find that? second level player who doesn't have as much marketing, but it might be every bit as good. How do you find the diamond in the rough? Because, you know, if you look at the NBA and professional basketball, there are plenty of players who have really elevated their game and become stars that were good in college, maybe not great, or, or they get to a really good program out of a high school that nobody's ever heard of. So how do you find that guy or the, even that gal, depending on you know your point of view and your recruiting, how do you find that second level person who's really a first level person? They just haven't had the opportunity. Yeah, like you said, it still comes down to relationships and people picking up the phone saying, hey, I have a guy for you. You need to come check this out. When other people don't know. So like, they, you know, I, I'll get a call and they'll say, hey man, this kid is really good. Like, you should come and see him or they'll send film. What do you think? And, you know, and it's like you said, it's people in this business, the relationship that you know. Um, but then, like, you you have to really, you know, like for, for the for the NBA side, and, then I'll, and I'll talk about that a little bit, like, you have to study and understand what um, the NBA is looking for. The game continues to evolve. And so when you're looking at, a lot of times you're looking at a player, you wonder like why this guy doesn't fit versus another guy. Um, it is it, like it's, it's all about what what the organization needs. You know, can this person what what is he like when you look at a window of from one year from now, three years from now, to five years from now? So a lot of times, you know, like it may be a guy like and I and I'll use a guy now and I and I'll just say like like a Landry Shamrock was at Wichita State, right? A lot of mm-hmm. people didn't know about him, yeah, but if you go yeah. and look at if you go and look at his numbers, I mean he was you know he he shot extremely well from three point range, you know, and, and like the threshold is like three hundred, you know, three point shots. Uh, he finished at the rim at a high rate, um, you know, like a lot of times their wingspan, like he might be, you know, whatever he is, six four, six five, and I'm just throwing out. He and he's even bigger, but. You know, sometimes you might see a six three kid with a six eight and a half wingspan. So, like, you have to look at inside the numbers as well. Like, a lot of times, the raw numbers don't tell you how good a player can be. So, if I'm looking at a kid that's shooting forty plus percent from three point range at a high clip, like three hundred plus shots, and if he's a catch and shoot guy, you know, if if eighty to ninety percent of his shots are a catch and shoot guy, if you notice now, it's only one or two primary facilitators in the NBA. Um, everything else is like role guys. Like you got to, if a guy is shooting 40-some percent and 90% of his shots are assisted, that tells me he can be a great spot-up shooter in the NBA. Um, or like, 
you know, a guy who rebounds at a high rate or a guy who is at a high steal rate or block rate as a guard. Um, those things kind of what can translate to the NBA from what people may think, you know, like a guy says, well, he averages, you know, he averaging like 27 a game, but like his field goal percentage is not good. Or he doesn't finish at the rim as much as you think. He's a high volume guy. So there's so many factors that go into it. And like you said, the one thing about the NBA is they want production. So everyone always thinks, oh, I got to go higher. And if I go higher, I got a chance of making the league. No, you go where you can be productive. Mm-hmm. Like the NBA, like as soon as it, it comes across the radar, if a guy scores 33, 34 in a game and, you, and he may be at Coppin State, right? You're like, who is this kid? You The first thing you do is you're going to the numbers. Like you're going to see how he did, who was it against, you know, and then you start looking at his numbers. So you jump on the radar as soon as those numbers jump out. Everybody want to know who that is. Or when you're a freshman, you make the all-rookie team. It kind of, or, you know, you you could be played in the league like a C.J. McCollum. I was fortunate to coach against C.J. McCollum um, when I was at American. He was in the league. I actually was two NBA players in the league at the same time in the Patriot League. But I knew from day one that C.J. McCollum was an NBA basketball player just because he was 6'3", one of the quickest first steps I've ever seen. Um, he scored the ball at an easy, I mean, it was easy. Um, so you, you look at certain things and you're like, man, that guy's an NBA player, you know, um, you know, uh, or like you had a 6'10", 6'11 guy in the NBA who could step out, shoot the three. So it's, it's, it's those guys from a small school is all about production, but then it's also in the, inside the numbers is so huge when you're separating guys for the next level. Yeah. 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 You know, you, you talk about some of the numbers. I looked up your history quickly when you were at uh, Longwood and you, your percentage, your shooting percentage from beyond the arc, the three point range was better than your overall field goal percentage. I'm going to say that that's not the one. So <laughs> I was in that. I'm going to say this, the Lamar Barrett that, so this is, this is the strangest story. My wife, <laughs> wears out. I have a son. I have a son. So, I'm Lamar Barrett that started off in Longwood, 89 to 91. Okay. There's another Lamar Barrett that came oh. 15 years later mm-hmm. that I knew since he was a freshman in high school from St. Andrews in Rhode Island. I knew this kid, and he ended up going to Longwood 15 years later after me. So my okay. wife was like, there's no way that happened. So you're looking at his stats. So they had just transferred over to Division One. So you're going to see his stats more. Ah, I see. I, you know, that was at Longwood. So, yeah, that, okay. that's why you probably thought the height because. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, that kid's 6'6". Six, yeah. Six. Okay. Yeah. I, so uh, I, I know it. that Lamar Barrett. We actually, you know, we, I, I've been knowing him since he was a kid. Um, uh, You know, talk to him every once in a while. But that's one of the, like, who would have thought, like, a Lamar Barrett went to Longwood 15 years later yeah. after I started there. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I can see why. You looking at the stats? Oh yeah, you're a legacy. Hey, um, very quickly, let's talk a little bit about uh, your focus now. Um, You know, you've you've done so much in the game and seriously elevated some great players. Um, I know you're working on a few initiatives like Unmasked. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, Unmasked man, it started um, pandemic. Um, I was going on so many Zooms 
you know, during the pandemic, after everything was shut down last year, I started being invited to Zooms, like some people I know. I mentor a few guys uh, in the business. It's interesting, like, I have been in, but, like, so many people that always reached out to me. At, and when I was in coaching, some of the younger guys and, you know, what, what I thought about this job, that job, or things that was going on. And so once everything started up, I always stay active with the college basketball guys because that's, that's a part of my job, scouting, 70% intel. So you have to know these, you have to know these guys in college basketball. So I go on some Zooms and one day I was on a specific Zoom and um, the question, so actually Phil Handy that's with the Lakers was on the Zoom. He was speaking. And uh, so after the Zoom was over, some of us stayed on. So the guy who was in charge of the Zoom, he said, I noticed a few more people was on the Zoom that I hadn't, that I don't know. Could you introduce yourself? So I introduced myself, you know, Lamar Barrett, NBA scout, former college coach. So there were maybe like two or three people on the Zoom that I knew. Um, so after the, after, so guys start talking on the Zoom. It was like an after hour Zoom. So one of the coaches that was in my league asked me, he said, hey, I want to, I got to ask you a question. And he asked me a question um, related to college basketball. And so I said, do you, you want the real answer? So he said, yeah. So I gave him the real answer. What, you know, this, this was no cameras on. So I'm on the Zoom. And, you know, on the Zoom, you put your information. That, my phone started blowing up. Everybody texted me as I'm on the Zoom, after, right after I answered the question. And they're like, this is the stuff we need to hear. This is real fire information. We need to we need to stop hearing people telling us you know, what their journey is. We need to hear real stuff. So the guy invited me to come back on, talk to guys, and then you need to come on. Then I started getting other invitations. So I, I had the idea. I always wanted to kind of do a podcast, but mine was more facts over fiction. I wanted to do, you know, more of debates in, in August. And then this just came across. Like one day I was talking to a friend of mine and I was like, you know what? I want to bring light to the college coaches. So Unmasked was created, you know, for the basketball fan that wanted to know the behind the scenes activities that go on as a college coach. It was for the young aspiring coach that wants to get into the profession. But things like coaching is what they see on TV when like coaches are wearing a shiny suit. You know, they, that's, that's what they think. They see the finished product. And like for the professional, kind of like can take tidbits to better their career and their field of work. So I, it was created to get assistant coaches in the spotlight that should be or have a chance to run their own program. Um, you know, former head coaches who are now assistants have them a chance to get back to being a head coach again. And so, you know, in the last year, when um, I started, actually, I started June 1st with my first set of interviews. I started doing 10 a week, two a day. Uh, I did 80 shows between June 1st and August 7th. And I was like, and I take them all and I started releasing them on June 9th. And I started releasing them every three days. And before I knew it, I was at 80 shows through August 7th. I had to shut it down for a little bit because I was so far ahead that I was putting out shows. It was up to January 31st. And so I shut it down for a little bit, started back up in November. And like I said, I've done over a hundred plus 
interviews with assistant coaches. And so at all levels um, of Division One basketball, I uh, even did a couple of women coaches. But it was, you know, uh, um, to tell you, like, what the profession entails and what it takes to uh, balance work life and, and, and how they've made this not a job but their passion. And so when I talk with all these individuals, you know, the first thing they say is, wow, this is therapeutic. And I was like, really? They said, man, it feels like I'm laying on the couch. I'm giving information that I've never talked about before. Um, and you know, they say, oh, oh, I'm sitting here talking with you one-on-one. It feels like we're just sitting out talking. Like, I've had fun. And then it's also educational. Like I said, it's teaching the young guys about the business. No, it's not easy. It's hard. Like, getting in is not as easy as you think. It's not always about coaching. And then it's entertaining as well. I kind of throw some questions in during the interview to make you think, like, you know, what type of TV show or movie describes your work week? And, like, people are like, wow, you know, that, where did that come from? So that's what, that's what Unmask is. It's kind of like bring light to what assistant coaches do, educating these younger coaches who think, you know, who want to be into the business. Um, and it, it took a life of its own. Like, I started getting calls from uh, ADs, uh, from, um, from uh, you know, the, 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 the services, um, you know, people who uh, wanted to, uh, you know, recruit some of these, uh, get them into their firm. Search firms were reaching out saying, oh, man, this is a great job. I see you got a connection with some of these coaches. Uh, I've had a couple of uh, TV networks to reach out and say, hey, we would love to get your content. And I just held on to it. It's mine. And, you know, at the right time, if I want to release it, I will. But I've done a, I've just done a great job of, um, you know, and I think the people who've been on for Unmasked, that it's, it's just been it's been one huge success for me. I didn't expect it. Um, young lady who created my logo and all of that, she was like, I was like, I'm just doing this. You know, I just want to you know, have fun as a hobby. And she was like, this thing will take off bigger than what you believe. And I was like, really? And it ended up taking off. And I'm at the point now and I'm bringing on entrepreneurs um, that people want to come on and tell their story. I, one of my former managers from high school, she is a producer, five-time Emmy Award winner. Um, I did a show with her because uh, a recent, I don't know if you watched it. She had her recent, uh, one of the shows she produced was the Mike Tyson story that's been on the last two weeks. Yeah. So I gave her a chance to come on to, you know, I did an interview with her unmasking the producer storyteller, but it was also to like, Hey, we're going to plug this, you know, we're going to pr- plug the show that you just produced. So it's been huge at those levels. though. Wow. That's uh, the results must just be outstanding. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, to me, they are, I mean, I don't, I, to me, you know, like the feedback that I get, you know, people love it. And and, and at the same time, I also created a roundtable with a young lady. She well, she was 26 years old and she heard all these stories about me. We're on Zooms um, and I always you know, talk about my girl, Carolyn. She wants to get into college coaching. She didn't play college basketball, uh, but, you know, and she coaches, you know, AAU now. And she was like, would you mentor me? And I was like, hmm, women's basketball, I don't know about that. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, sure, I will. And so, you know, we created, you know, we first said, okay, she's like, what do I need to do? I said, you got to build relationships. You got to network. This is what you're going to do. 
And I told her, you know, kind of laid out a plan. And then one day we were talking. I was like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to start your own show as well. We're going to bring it under my umbrella. We're going to call it What's the Game Plan? And so from What's the Game Plan, we've had seven roundtables with college coaches across the country, Division One, Two, or Three, more Division One, And we've talked about different topics that she wanted to know about in college athletics from, you know, recruiting process, scouting process, networking process, and so on. And so we've had head coaches on, assistant coaches on, and it's been that's that's under the umbrella. What's the game plan? And I just kind of like we meet once a week, discuss things, and we've had a show every two weeks. And so that's like it kind of what's the game plan falls under that unmasked umbrella. That's been a that's been a huge success as well. Hmm. Well, you certainly have a lot on your plate. Let me ask you one last question: Do you miss the coaching? Are, are, do you consider getting back into it? Um, no, I, I do not. That question is asked. I've had a few opportunities even this year, um, to, 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 to come back. Um, and no, um, I just think the life that I, what I have now, um, I just feel like I have a life. I love the evaluating part of the business and I'm still, like I said, 70% of my job is Intel. So I'm always talking with not only just um, uh, college coaches, but, you know, academic advisors and uh, strength and conditioning coaches, whoever I need to talk to to get as much information. Um, and I, I said it earlier, the only thing you miss is the student athletes, the kids, because they do keep you young. Hmm. Um, the basketball part, I mean, I still have rounded enough, like, X's and O's wise with friends. Like, you will be shocked that I'm on Zooms almost – four or five times a week. It's X's and O's. Mm. Um, we're talking basketball, but I don't miss it from the standpoint of, you know, you're, you're, I'm listening to someone where it's, you know, and, and the pandemic has changed some things, but, you know, you're in the office, you, you know, 12, 15, sometimes 18 hours a day, you know, 355, 360 days a year. You're always on the go constantly. You, you know, you don't get a chance to spend time with family. You don't, you know, you don't like if you go on vacation, you're really not on, you're on vacation, but you still worried about calling that recruit, trying to get him on campus because you, you don't want to get, you know, outworked. Um, so I, I think I sacrificed a lot. Um, and I told my wife that we've been, you know, been married for, you know, 16 years, going to go on 17 years. She's been to different places with me. Um, and I was just like, you know what? It's time for us to, you know, I'm 50 years old now. Um, I'm, I don't want to be, I can, I can do it from the scouting side, right? Um, I can be out, but most of the time I'm going to be at home most nights. With college basketball, you're constantly on the go. You're always, you know, working. And I just don't know if I can do that again um, mm. from, from that standpoint. Um, you know, like, because, um, you know, like you get, I, and I see some of these guys, I, I, I love what they're doing. I just think I made a decision to say, what can I do the next 15 to 20 years of my life that I still can be successful at and still be involved in, in, in basketball. Mm -hmm. And that's something I chose to do. Well, 
you know, your background is so diverse and you've got so much work still ahead of you. Uh, it, it just, it's going to be interesting to see what your next steps are going to be and what your next success is going to be. Cause you've been successful everywhere you've gone. You've been a director, you've been a recruiting coordinator, a coach at a variety of levels, a counselor, founder of programs, an advocate, and a current NBA scout. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know what's interesting and what everyone has been trying to get me to do for the last, you know, nine months to a year. Like, I, I, everyone always joked. They'd be like, yo, man, once you, you can be my, uh, you can be, once you be my, uh, you know, attorney, or they'll be my, once you, you know, your, once, once, your you start a search firm, once you start uh, a search firm, like, you, like, and I'm like, no, I don't know if I could take, you, you know, my friend's money. They was like, but mm. you already, you know, you talk with ADs and presidents. Yeah. Like, you do all this stuff now. You just, you know, like, you're doing it for free, basically. And mm -hmm. I was like, but, yeah, at the same time, I don't know if I could do it. And, but, like, there's been individuals who's like, no, you need, because of the relationships you have with all these coaches, there will be so many guys that were like, no, I want to go with this guy, you know, because mm. they know that you're going to help them out. And I look at it, and, and I don't say it's me and I, I looked at some numbers the other day, and I was like, wow. Like, I, I said 25% of the guys that I had on my show from since last June to now have gotten new jobs. Um, and it's been – and I'm just saying they've, you know, they've gone from, you know, you know, from a low major to a mid-major or a mid-major to a high-major some guys have gotten jobs. Some guys have been at the same level, but to see some of the like, to see some of the guys that I'm like, wow, like, um, this guy got a head job. You know, a couple of the guys who was on the show got head jobs, which I didn't expect that they would, but who, you know, whatever opens up. But that that number surprised me to see the amount of movement, and maybe I just chose the right people because that's one of the things that I wanted to do was when I look at the people that I want to bring on the show, I'm very particular on who I bring on the show. Of course, it started with my friends because they, they always say, oh, oh, we were the guinea pig. And I was like, no, that wasn't it. I just thought I wanted to bring people on my show that are selfless and who I thought had a real chance or have a chance of being a head, running their own program one day. Hmm. Um, and that's, and those are the people I want to bring on the show. Um, not saying that, I mean, everyone is not going to be a head coach, but I don't like, I like selfless people who don't self-promote, push themselves, always selling. I want guys who are in the business or in the profession for the same reasons that I am. Sure. And, you know, if, if people have the idea for you of what you should do next, I'm going to throw my two cents in here. I think you'd probably be an outstanding athletic director somewhere. That that has come up as well. I'll bet my it has. Even said, my wife has even said that. You need yeah. that's what you probably need to go into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? Because of your contacts and the way you run businesses and uh, the, your judge of talent, you'd probably be an outstanding athletic director. So somewhere along the line, it wouldn't be a surprise to me to see you land at a big school uh, in charge of the whole thing. Well, I like that. I appreciate that. I definitely <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> well. You know what? It's probably going to come true if you want it to. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Lamar Barrett today who has worn many hats and he's a master of all of them. Again, a director, uh, recruiting coordinator, coach, counselor, founder of programs, an advocate, 
and uh, also a scout for the NBA and probably soon to be an athletic director. Hey, Lamar, it's been a pleasure having you on. Will you come on again another time if we invite you? Can you can you give us some more time somewhere down oh, the line? I definitely will, man. I enjoyed myself. Like, you know what? It's because I'm, oh, I'm on the other side. I'm the one who's asking questions, and it's, it's unbelievable. Like, um, you know, so anytime I get a chance to come on and I can answer questions, and bring light to like college athletics uh individuals um man it is I, I love it anything that's rewarding for others um you know I, I love doing that um whether it's you know whether it's players coaches um you know I, I'm, I'm always big on that always trying to, to to I'm actually the one who's promoting everyone else and not worrying about promoting myself sure well you're um, selfless in that regard. And uh, it, the work you're doing is important. It's uh, it's very successful as well. We wish you all the best of luck in your future endeavors. And we look forward to having you back on our show. Well, I Thanks appreciate again it. for joining and, and, us. And anytime that, anytime that um, individuals want to, they can always go to my unmaskedljb.com, check out any of the, the interviews from a ton of coaches. Like you on the West Coast, like, I think Jason Hart was one of my favorite interviews from mm -hmm. USC. Like, yep. tremendous. Um, he's a, yeah, he's a friend of our show. He's been on. And and, and I, yeah, I, I saw that. I watched And he's, you know, I think he should be a head coach. I, oh, I yeah. Think It'll, that, that's that's and, just a matter uh, of time. And it probably should have happened already, but that's going to happen. Yes, I, I definitely believe that. Yep. And yep. Uh, But, yeah, he was one of the best interviews I had. I mean, he was sharp. And, I, and it's funny, and I'll end with this. Jason Hart, I was a counselor at Syracuse basketball camp when Jason Hart was a player. That's mm. how far I go back with him. Mm. <laughs> That's kind of neat. And you know what? That's what it's all about, building those relationships. And I'm glad we have one with you now. You're a friend of our program. Hey, thanks again for coming on. And uh, we'll have you again real soon, okay? Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. And as always, I would like to thank my guest host, our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And the gentleman who makes us sound good each and every time we do podcasts, that is Brandon Peterson, our sound engineer. Beep, 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 beep. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your podcast and please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get the word out about Westcliff Athletics and we thank you for your support. And keep an eye out for the next podcast.